Hey everyone, it's Carla Muller and Sam Owen here on Bullshit and Bravery, your podcast aimed to improve mental well-being in our primary sector through sharing real experiences. A big thank you to our sponsor, the Waikato Rural Support Trust, for funding this pilot, which includes six episodes. The views shared in this podcast are those of the hosts and the guests, not the Waikato Rural Support Trust. The content discussed in this podcast may be triggering and relate to mental health challenges such as depression, postnatal depression, anxiety and suicide. Please seek help if you're triggered by any of the content in these podcasts. Our next guest is the self-proclaimed Chief Hope Officer and a legend in her own lunchbox. She is an international keynote speaker, chair of Meet the Need and a former head of Insight at NZX and also a very close neighbor and friend of mine. Welcome to the Bullshit and Bravery podcast, Julia Jones. Thanks for having me. We're thrilled that you're here. Can't wait to hear what you have to say. Oh gosh, I hope it's good then. I better make it good. (laughs) Feel the pressure now. So we'll we'll just start. What are you seeing or feeling out there with the general population rural sector? Oh, look, I see a lot of mix. I think there is a lot of hope, but there is definitely a lot of pressure. And I don't necessarily want to say stress, but I think there's a lot of change and there's a lot of things that we don't understand. And I think the traditional pillars that we hung to before um, really tight are moving and shifting. So what was wrong yesterday is right today and what was right yesterday is wrong today. And it's a confusing world globally. And I think that then feeds back into our rural communities. So it's confusion, it's worry, it's hope. I think it's just natural shift. You know, when something changes, it's almost like tension is the gateway to change. And we're in that funny bit, like it's just going to get a bit worse before it gets better. Yeah. And, you know, with that momentum change and shift, we are probably going to see more people taking a punt or more people taking a risk to judge where the market's going to go. And what we have to be aware of is failure is just a lesson to try and do it better next time. And with these markets shifting so quickly, people who are taking a punt are actually not dumb. They're just trying to open up those markets or trying to realise a new income stream for the farm. Or do something different. You know, I think also people are um, naturally curious and want to change, but also at the moment there's a sense for some that they don't have relevance. You know, I've questioned my own, rele- not relevance to the universe, but yet relevance to the sector this year, I think. When something changes and moves and evolves, you start to actually, and when you question your relevance, it's actually a hard place to dig yourself out of. So if I'd been farming for 40 years and I'd, you know, evolved over time but done it one way and all of a sudden I read the newspaper or hear something on social media and it's telling me that I'm not relevant anymore or I interpret it to mean I'm not relevant anymore, then that's actually putting a lot of pressure on people as well. Everyone's got relevance. It's just the stories that we tell ourselves. So you just mentioned that you've struggled a little bit with feeling relevant yourself this year. Do you want to talk us through how the year's been for you? Yeah, so it's been an interesting year. So I got made redundant, have applied for a bazillion jobs, don't get interviews, got one interview, then they said that I weren't sure I'd do the work, um, which was a bit of a hoot. But anyway, you know, look, I want to just have a disclaimer that I'm very fortunate in the sense that I had lots of speaking engagements come up. And so, but it's it's been a really scary, hard year. And so you all of a sudden go, what's my relevance? I'd sort of taken lots of big projects on too. Like I'd decided to subdivide a house off the front of my property, which sounds very glamorous, but that's turned out to be an epic (laughs) disaster and was meant to kind of be like this amazing financial relief for me. And it's actually turned into be a horrific financial burden. Um, On top of being made redundant, not being able to get any more work, getting speaking gigs again, I want to just say that I'm super grateful for those and they have literally seen me through the second half of the year. But 
it's tough, you know, like straight up last month, my payments bounced and I had $10 in my account. I'd sold everything that I could sell and I had resourced every cent that I could source from anywhere else. And just, I was very fortunate that I had some work just pop out of the blue and I've now set myself up for December and January, but it's, you know, that was really scary. That was a big trigger for me, that financial thing. And being someone who interprets numbers really well. So I knew how bad it was. $10 is enough for a lunch. Yeah. Go to the Eureka Garage for a pixie camera on a coat. Exactly. I'd probably get a bag of chips in there too if it was on special. So obviously it being a, a, a tough year, you must have been aware of your mental health and obviously the physical energy levels and the mental health energy levels. And I think sometimes we are aware of when our batteries are full because we're, you know, jumpy, excited, bouncing around. And knowing you, yeah. you know, quite well, you are that bouncy energy in the room. And for those who are not here, it's quite a small room. And we wondered whether JJ's energy Might would be... swing off it. Yeah, would be swinging off the walls. But for you... How do you get the energy level back and how do you then monitor your energy levels and keep at a level where you know you're not so depleted that you're down to $10 in the mental health bank? Energy for me also came from Korea. So I think I have never, ever had a bad Korea moment in the sense that, sure, I may have had bad days and I may have had stuff happen. And to be fair, I never really, I wouldn't say I ever got super successful or anything, but I never worried about not having a job. And, I mean, I've had disastrous personal things happen all the time and that and I just seem to navigate that I'm like oh yeah that's just like a duck and water but this hit me and this actually sucked the energy from me so I had to be really aware of that and so I mean one of the things I did I seen a counsellor he taught me free writing which is literally for 10 minutes you just write and it's just nonsensical writing like you literally such a great thing to it's do. the most amazing thing it gets it out of your head and that's all the stuff you know when you tell yourself horrible stories that you're really useless and you're a loser and nobody likes you and you know the reason you got made redundant is because you were really actually really crap at what you did and all that and you just get this on a page and then it's gone yeah you can and then you throw it out you know it's just basically done and dusted so that helped I let myself feel so I literally um when the the disastrous house or the I like to call it the house of horrors where it's Halloween every day and the house we had thought we had a house sale and that was actually going to make a huge difference and again one of my big triggers for taking me down into a dark place is financials Mm -hmm. and it fell through that just all fell through and I literally spent half a day crying on the couch, you know, because it was so outside my control. But I I made sure I let myself feel like I knew that I would pass through that. So I didn't try and hide it. I didn't try and pretend that I was good. And look, I do pretend a lot. I'll be really honest. I'll be the first one to say I'm good when somebody asks me if I'm out. But I also get my energy, and this will sound really cheesy, but when I stand up on stage and I make others feel good, that actually makes me feel good and gives me energy. So when I can elevate others and... If you're emceeing something and there's really cool speakers and you're learning and you're growing and all that, I find that energising. Mm-hmm. And I found a lot of energy this year out of people doing cool stuff. My sister ran the New York Marathon and I loved seeing the pictures of her travelling. I, I think I've got a real, I've always been really conscious that if you begrudge others' success, you'll never have it yourself. Yeah. And that's a conscious thing. And, and But what I found this year, it was really subconscious for me. Like I just got so much joy out of people doing cool stuff. You know, the photos that you post around the farm and things that are happening there, and I, I just got so much more energy when things were good for some for others because it was nice to know that if things weren't working out for me, at least other people weren't there. I would rather feel bad than have someone else feel bad. 
yeah, again, it's what's in that mental health toolbox. And for you, obviously, it's seeing others succeed, recharging your battery. And, I mean, I always refer to my kids. I said some of the best comedians in the world were manic depressives, suffered anxiety. You know, the Ronnie I'm, – I'm showing my age here – the Ronnie Corbett, yeah. the Robin Williams, yeah. Spike Milligan, yeah. all massive, you know, had – but their joy in their recharge were, was making other people laugh, even if it was at their own expense. And, I mean, I didn't want to go with a blue moustache from November or a pink moustache from November, but I couldn't see it, and it was outwardly <laughs> making other people laugh. And it was a sign of, you know, I'm willing to take the piss out of myself. Go ahead. I think you need to know yourself. Like, I know I can hit a really dark place. And I want to clarify this. Like, I'm very fortunate in the sense that we talked about it before off off air, but, you know, we talked about situational versus chemical. So that chemical mental health thing is where someone doesn't actually have a choice of how they feel. It's a chemical imbalance. So I'm quite fortunate in the sense that I've just had situation after situation. I've had mass overwhelm, so I'm probably the tiredest I've ever felt. But I know that it's going to pass, and I know that this is just a year, and I know I've learned stuff, and I'm so grateful for every little good thing that's happened that any invoice that's been paid or any invoice that I've got to invoice or any opportunity to do something where I can invoice or even just be needed has been lovely for me and amazing. And, you know, when you get home and you see the grass is growing because it's got warmer and it's raining and you're not going to have to buy hay, which is good because you can't afford it. But at the same time, you sit there and you look at it and you go, you get grateful of these little things, but you've got to know who you are. Like, I think I'm not a mental health professional, so I can't give advice. All I know is I can understand what the difference is for me that when I feel super tired as well, when I get super tired, I've got to be really conscious of how I feel. When I'm exhausted, I naturally find things, you know, we talked about toilet rolls before, you know, I run out of toilet paper, it's the end of the world. <laughs> yeah. You know, I can't get the top off the milk and there's a conspiracy, yep. you know, that everyone's <laughs> against me, you know, when you're a bit tired. And I think it's having an awareness of where are you in the year, where are you in your energy as far as sleep? Have you slept right? Have you, have you actually eaten a piece of fruit today? Have you had some vegetables? Have you actually done something? Are you responding or reacting? And sometimes I find that, for me, I know that it's a react. And just because you get older and you get more aware of yourself, you get a bit better at actually identifying when go and lie on the couch and have a nap because you're being a pain in the ass and nobody likes it. And something I've heard so many times is this too shall pass. You know, whenever things are good or bad or other, this too shall pass, right? It's never going to be the same way forever. I think that's a really interesting point to pick up on, though, because we've had a lot more conversations around mental health lately, and we all know we should be eating well and sleeping and exercising. And, you know, yeah, sure, sometimes that's the first thing that goes, but it's also the easiest thing to kind of get back, right? Yeah. You put your boundaries in place and you and you can start to manage those things. The challenge, I guess, is when it becomes more than that, right? And so for you, you know, when do you feel it goes from just a bad day or a, a bad week or a bad moment to actually this is something that's more than that and I can't fix it with some of those those things. Yeah. I mean, I've probably had a couple of times this year where I've just gone, I need to, so I've just taken on an executive coach because I've just got to the point where, and she was great. And I just said, you know, like people would send me job things to apply for. I literally mentally couldn't think anymore. I had run out, there was no space left in my head. And so when you're trying to do lots of stuff and you're, and you're up there on stage and you're trying to write scripts and you're trying to write things, I just didn't have another, I had no space for anyone. And that's when I knew that I just couldn't even respond to an email. It's a tough one because then you know you're going to go, and this executive coach is great, so she's going to help me unpack. How do I actually move forward? How do I rebuild? How do I work out what's next for me in my career? You know, rather than 
because I've created this great story that this is as good as it gets. You know, my parents at the same age got made redundant. They'd already lost everything, but, you know, they, they kept losing everything else. Um, they lost, an, you know, another property, and that was the end of days, basically, for them. They just went downhill from there. So, of course, I've now created this fantastic story in my head that says, at the same time when mom, this happened to mum and dad, this is my story. And, you know, I keep saying to myself, this is not how my story goes. And when I hit that wall, when it's, when it's a week, I get help. I'm not great at asking for help, but I know when I'm tipping over the point where I need it. And I don't go to dark places. I don't imagine, you know, how do I end things or anything like that. And I want to clarify that difference in the sense that for some people that's a dark, dark place that they go to that, you know, look, my brother has clinical depression and ADHD and he was talking to me, he was talking with a psychologist and he said, don't, you know, if you ever want to commit suicide or anything like that, make sure you you ring like a line. You know, my brother said the eeriest thing to me. He said, you know what the weird thing is, is when I have thoughts of ending it, they're actually very calm. He said, I wouldn't ring a crisis line because there's no, in my mind, there's no crisis anymore. And, you know, it was kind of like when I told my sister, she said, well, did you ask him how many times he thinks that? And I said, well, I kind of, that was a lot for me to process in that one. And, And he just said it. He said it's literally like going to get a bottle of milk. Now, I feel very fortunate that I've never had that and I don't go there, but you know, for those people that do, I think I've got better at preventing it. So I know when it's getting to the point where I need to kick my ass. And I, mm-hmm. and you know what? You look around and you think, and this is going to, I don't mean this in any silly way, but I'm not in Gaza. I'm still alive. There's people around that are doing it way tougher. And I'm not trying to make others, this is just about how I get through. But I also remind myself of the things that I'm fortunate of. You know, I look at and anyone who knows me knows how much I love my animals. And I have the most immense gratitude to look out the window and see my goofballs and <laughs> goofballs. And, and I feel really lucky to do, be able to do that, you know. And so I think it's about finding the little the little bits of gratitude. But it's a conscious effort. But I'm lucky that I can do that because it's not chemical at this stage. So I don't have to worry about the fact that I can't talk my way around So you say your brother's got some struggles himself. How do you find supporting him? What are some of the things that you feel you can do or some of the challenges you've had in supporting him through that journey? I'll start with the challenges because I think that's, you just don't understand because I'm not there. I don't understand it, you know, and he's got two sisters that are list makers, that are solution people. And so, you know, and in our mind, we just kept telling him, like, it was pretty bad. You know, we were like, well, you just have to do this. Just think about doing this. And, you know, it's it's he's only recently just gone on Ritalin. And even he says, you know, like it's just quiet in the noise. Mm-hmm. And and he's in a different place and a space and, and, and happier. But we didn't deal with it very well because it was annoying. It was inconvenient when mum was dying. You know, Ian was more worried about getting up and he would be agitated and we'd be like, well, you know, and have a go at him. And then it was very hard because you don't understand. Um, and we're very lucky that my brother-in-law actually is a school teacher and he said, just give him three things he needs to do. Mm. He needs to feel included, but he actually also needs a routine. Yeah. And he actually talked us through and we our relationship got stronger, but we did get to that point where I don't think we were being very kind to Ian around it um, because we couldn't understand it. Because why doesn't he just write a list? Why doesn't he just have solutions? Why can't he? Yep. But he couldn't. His brain, um, he talks about imagine if you've got software and the software isn't rebooting properly. And he said, some days it's just like my software's buffering. Mm. And something that's simple to me is frustrating that he's not doing it. Yeah, I certainly found a lot of that similarity in, in my journey with postnatal depression. You know, there would be people that I'd try and talk to that also had young children, and they just couldn't grasp how I both loved my child but hated 
the situation I was in. Yeah. And they couldn't understand that. And so it was very difficult for them to be there for me. And certainly, you know, having gone through it myself, but equally finding some other people who'd gone through it as well, helped me understand how to communicate better to other people. So for you, you know, having had some of those conversations now with your brother, has that opened your eyes a lot more to how you deal with people that you think might be struggling? 100%. And you feel bad because you want to go back and you want to hug him more and you want to have that conversation more with him. And then you are more aware to other conversations. So you hear these conversations and you go, I wish I'd been a bit more empathetic with that person there. And I would, you know, society tells us things. So I can't imagine with postnatal depression, this society tells us that having a child is the most wonderful thing in the world <laughs> and you should, there should be rainbows every morning. And, and you're just so lucky. The same for Ian. Ian's, Ian's a musician. He's done very well as a musician. And in his eyes, you know, and then in our eyes, it's like, well, why doesn't he just enjoy what he's doing? Because he's yeah. really fortunate and he gets to do these cool things. And it's made the empathy and the love more because yeah. sometimes he just, and we recognise once dad had passed away that dad probably had some of the issues as well. Then you have hindsight where you go guilt because sometimes it's just about a cup of tea and a conversation and it might be about nothing. I think it's easy to beat ourselves up though. You know, I, I look back at people who'd had children before me and, you know, friends who who I wasn't there for because I just didn't understand what support yeah. they needed. And now having gone through it and, you know, the support I can now give other people having their first children is so much more valuable, or at least I hope it's more valuable, but it's certainly I feel more um, confident in giving them that support. And so I don't think it's necessarily that you need to look back in hindsight and feel guilty because it's all about paying it forward, right? Yeah. You can't change the past, no. but you can change how you interact with with people like your brother or others moving forward, right? And even be proud of them when they do, when they take control of the situation and celebrate the things that he does. Yeah, celebrate it, yeah. you know? I mean, he's the most incredible human in the world and the kindest person you will ever meet. Like, his heart's ginormous. But, you know, it is hard to see people that you love not able to love themselves the way you love them. And I think that's the bit. And then I think what we don't realise is then we get a bit guilty and we get a bit, and we want to fix. And sometimes you just have to. You don't need a fix. You just need, as you said, have a cup of tea. I think the noise analogy is good, right? Because so many times, if I'm in a not great space, Jackie, my wonderful wife, and my kids will go, you didn't listen to what you hear, but I, I've heard them talk. Yeah. But to me, it's I've heard them but not interpret it. And quite often, like you were saying, you know, when you were feeling overwhelmed, people are talking and things are happening and you you feel busy because you've heard the noise and you – but it's hard to pick out the words, pick out the dialect, pick out the tone because it just feels like noise. And you, even sitting here with these earphones, yeah. you know, we're listening to you and I can – I can absorb what you're saying because I've taken all the other distractions out of the room. But when things are hectic, things are, you know, in a bad space, the noise just keeps coming and you feel like just putting headphones on and yeah. going, I just want one message. And that for me probably links back is I, that's why I listen to music because there's one message drowning out everything else that's been thrown at me. And that's that hard thing is to override the inner voice and that's the thing that is exhausting. And look, sometimes... It's even when people do try and help and they try and give you. And so here's the thing for me, you know, full disclosure, devastating to feel that I'm not employable and that I'm, you know, and, and I'm working through that and I'm sure I'll find, I'll run and I'll restudy or re whatever. I'm super hopeful and I'm totally cool. But at the same time, it's really hard. But, you know, people would say, oh, you're amazing. And I'm sure opportunities will come up and anyone would love to have you and, you know, work for them. Well, that wasn't true. And by the 15th time somebody said that, and I know that they mean well, here's the other thing, so this is not a criticism, 
it actually feels a bit sick in your tummy. Yeah. Like you actually just want to say to them, you don't understand, but nobody does want me. Well, why doesn't anyone want me? And that was really interesting. Tim Mackle actually was incredible. And we sat down, had a coffee, and he just he just said, it must be tough. And he didn't try and fix it. Yeah. And we chatted about nothing, and he just was there. And he was like the first part of me probably feeling a bit that I could talk to people about how I felt. Because also it's a pride thing. Yeah. You know, you go to these events and people are like, how are you? And you're like, I'm great, thanks. And, oh, how exciting. What's that amazing new opportunity that you're going to do next? I genuinely don't know. And then I thought that would be easy. And then it got harder when you get to three months. And then you're getting to five months. And now we're getting to six months. And each time, and now it's easy because now I'm like, cool. I'm just straight up. I just The other night I just told people that I had only $10 in my account. My, people freak out when you say that. I love it. It's almost fun now. It's a game. Yeah. Well, not really. But you know what I mean? Like it's it's about just owning that position. Now, hey, I was lucky that some stuff come in and I'm not in that position to now. But geez, am I so grateful of not being there today. I think it's amazing though, right? As a society, we always feel like we've got to say the right thing or as you said, fix it. And so yeah. we come up with all these totally hollow platitudes. We mean well, but we yeah. don't actually know what we're saying or what we're responding to. And, you know, one of the common things with mental health is people feel if someone reaches out to them for help, they don't know what to do. They don't know what to say. They don't know how to fix it. But you don't need to fix it. You don't need to say, oh, it's fine. It's going to all be better. It's all sunshine and rainbows. Sometimes being like, it's okay. We'll just sit and have a coffee and talk about something entirely different. We'll just be there with you. We don't need to fix it. We just need to be there next to you. And sometimes you want them to tell you about their day. Like Sometimes you want to hear about the The problems they have. The problems they have or the the fact that they had a flat tyre or they had a funny moment or they fell over in the supermarket or whatever or they spilt something on themselves. And sometimes those are the things that you just want to hear about because well, they went to work in the, with their shirt, shirt inside, inside out, out. <laughs> um, for a whole day um, I think things like that that are more therapeutic at times than once again telling people how you feel about your world being a bit overwhelmed this year and we're again as a society we're so conditioned to be like everything's fine let's show everyone the rosy picture of myself and so you know we don't ever be like, oh, I can't admit to having my T-shirt inside out for the whole day or we can't yeah. admit to falling over in the supermarket. Yeah, I can't admit not, to applying for 15 cool. jobs and not having one interview. Yeah. You know, or I don't know what but it's we up to now. It might be 25. <laughs> <laughs> but we should, right? We, like if we want to truly value human connection, when we ask someone, how are you, we should actually care about the response. We shouldn't just want to hear, yeah. I'm great or I did this or, you know, I'm perfect but I'm busy, you know, because – that's, you're not actually meaning that. And so if, exactly. you, if you want to truly be heard, I think you've got to truly listen to other people as well. And to be honest, when you get a call as a rural support facilitator, pretty much that's what everybody wants, is just someone, not on a counselling level or on a psychologist level, is someone just across the table to go, listen, this is what's happening. And when those thoughts are released from that person and they're telling someone who hasn't got a background with them or hasn't got yep. predetermined you know, roadmap for them, that could be, you know, mean more than the six months work or the two weeks work you do for them to help them get their life back on track. It's full circle, right? Back to JJ's comment around just that free writing. Sometimes just getting it out of your head, be that verbally to someone else or on pen and paper, incredibly valuable. And let yourself grieve. Sometimes there's not a solution. I'm going to be straight up, like, this year, and as, you know, again, because mum and dad always have financial issues, so you go, there I am, and then I'm like, God, why wasn't I adopted out by a really wealthy billionaire that <laughs> just comes and, and, and saves me? You know, I just want someone to save me, and, and I'm terrible because I tell everyone, no one's coming to save you, and I know 
no one's coming to save me. And please, that doesn't mean that people haven't helped me. And I've had an exuberant amount of work um, help this year, sorry, from my friends, from my sister, from my brother, from family, you know, incredibly, you know, the Owen family, my non-blood but love family. I'm grateful for that. But, you know, sometimes it's just, it's just shit. And sometimes you've got to help yourself before others can help you. Exactly. And actually get up and do something. And so I actually, one of the days I was like, every day I'm going to send one email because it was sort of hard to, you know, you'd, you'd sit at your laptop and you're like, and I'm doing stuff. And, and you know, you kind of do stuff and people think you kind of got a full time, you know, so people keep throwing lots of things at you for free um, at you. And that's great. But, you know, at the end of the day, there's only so much time and you have to look for work and do all these things. But if you just try and do one thing and you just try and chip away and you just be real too with yourself, be honest, you know, I had to grieve the fact that the house sale fell through because that means that it's one more financial burden. It's one more punch in the face. And I felt awful. I literally grieved, but I let myself do it because I knew that at some point I would get over myself and I let myself be. I let myself and actually if you, feel. If you don't let those emotions out, they turn into physical. Oh, yeah. yeah. Probably you can hear I've got hay fever and the yeah. sneezes. I've had it up and down 10 days, and it's just occurred today that oh, I was coming in to, yeah. to do this. And I was like, oh, sneezing and coughing. I was like, wonderful. But, you know, it's my body telling me just to yeah. just clock off for five minutes. And go and listen to your body. Listen to your mind. And it's taken you an hour to write an email that should be three seconds. And or you a phone rings and you get a... <gasps> a reaction like I can't be bothered to, or not bothered, but you just don't want to talk to someone else today, then listen to that, you know. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to be a, a legend about it. Um, be aware of your responsibility. And, again, I, I disclaimer that with saying it's very different when it's a chemical thing. But when you're in a situation when you still have some sound mind <laughs> and you're able to make a lot more choices, then I think have that sense of responsibility. So if you have work to do, if other people rely on you, then it's really important that you share with them when you can't do something so they're able to pitch in and help or they're able to support you or put things aside so that try not to put your own mental health or your own overwhelm onto other people. Yeah, That's not about not asking for support, always ask for support. Just it's about proactively asking for support, yeah. though, right? Yeah. Rather than letting it all build up on you and say yes to everything and then you let everyone else down, you know, proactively ask for help. Hey, I don't think I'm going to quite get there. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. Don't let things – I mean, I remember mum and dad, and, and, I, and look, I just want to say that they're, they gave us a huge amount of unconditional love, so highly dysfunctional upbringing, but huge amount of love. But, you know, they would ring when they'd left, not paid the rent when it was at two and a half grand. And I'd be like, why didn't you ring me when it was – the first week, because now I'm going to have to fossick around and try and find that two and a half grand because I'm not going to let my parents. And then that puts financial pressure on you and then you get angry at them and then they get angry at you and everyone's angry and all of a sudden, and I think sometimes we've just got this bad habit of waiting till a crisis hits. Mm. I do wonder if it's a bit of a New Zealand phenomenon, 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 can't even speak, um, where we do seem to like things to break first and then we acknowledge yeah. that. Maybe I need to fix that, but maybe we need to get a bit better yeah, at definitely. preventing the break. Mm. Even preventing the cracks. Let's have a goal to even start preventing the cracks eventually. Cracks will happen. We can have hairline cracks and fractures, but let's not let things fully break before we think yeah. about going and getting help. Right. So we've done this to everybody else, so you're, you're going oh, to be Oh, there's going to be quick fire questions. Quick fire yeah. questions oh, nice. So. like them. Right. So just... Instant first. Do I need to do some stretching? Yeah. yeah. It's going to come at you. Yeah, it's not going to be fast. yoga. <laughs> so first one, wine or beer? Wine. Uh, driver or passenger? Driver. Ooh. I love driving. Book or television? Oh, television. God. Steak or lamb? 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we knew this one would get it, didn't we? Yeah. Oh, because I like both. And I usually binge on one and then I get sick of it and then I go to the other. <laughs> I'm going to go lamb. I'm going to go lamb. And the, the crucial one, horse or cow? <laughs> you can tell we picked these out especially for I know. Oh, I'm going to have to go horse, except for Otis. <laughs> <laughs> because Otis gives me kisses and smooches and he lets me squish his eyes and he lets me lie on the ground with him. For those who don't know, Otis is JJ's speckle park. He's about, what, a ton? Yes. Yeah. And conversely, she's got Landshark, a tiny pony. Who's angry and hates me, bites my face. <laughs> yeah, she still too. picked horse. Although, great story, sidetrack, is I've got bee nest. Oh, sorry, what do you call them, a hive? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, not the hive, like they, they did yeah, their yeah. own thing yeah. They um, in my shed. And the big horse went in and got smacked his head because he put his face in the bee's nest. Um, but then, um, or hive, but then the little land shark was in there and they were just buzzing around him. He was hanging out with the, all these bees. And I was like, wow, you're freaky. You're like an evil little minions. Your little minions are your bees. He's like the Pied Piper or yeah, something. Yeah, bees, yeah. They were just buzzing around him. He was happy as a clam standing in his wee shelter with this whole beehive. So if anybody needs to find Landshark, he's got his own Instagram account. Yes, he has. And it's always joyful to watch him and his adventures, even though he... Uh, and his uh, disapproval. Yeah, his disapproval and his mullets. Yes. He does so. bring a lot of joy to a lot of people's lives, not just Julius. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't brought me much joy because I gave him the nickname Landshark. He did get the nickname from you Because he took a wee nibble at me. JJ, thanks again so much for coming in and uh, talking to us. It's been a wonderful experience. And when you're in a good space or bad space, you're a marvellous ally to have and a marvellous non-blood relative to have on the team. <laughs> Even when you call us uh, an hour before uh, yes. we're due to pack to go on holiday to pick up 400 bales of hay that you've mistaken. And Jackie knows a lot of rude words. But you see, asking for help. Yeah, yes. asking for help. Yep. Thank you very much, JJ. Thanks for having me. So what do we have coming up on the next episode of Bullshit and Bravery, Sam? Well, Carla, next up we have Mavanwe Alexander, a contract milker from the Waitaki Valley in the South Island. Mavanwe has a number of roles within the dairy industry and has had her challenges both mentally and physically and in her business life on farm. So it'll be interesting to see her take on some of the questions we have. Awesome, we're looking forward to that. And in the meantime, don't forget to find us on Facebook, search Bullshit and Bravery, and listen or watch out for the next episode dropping. Thank you very much for listening. And if you need help or support, please reach out to your local rural support trust on 0800 787 254 or text 1737 or reach out to the Mental Health Foundation. Once again, thank you to the Waikato Rural Support Trust for the support of this podcast. Please like our Facebook page, Bullshit and Bravery, and don't forget to listen to the next podcast episode. Get in touch if you have any feedback for us or if you're interested in being a guest.